Hello, welcome back to Creative Chit Chat. I'm Ryan McLeod and we're up to episode number 45 this week. Um, I'm also pleased to say that this week's episode and the next few episodes are sponsored by the DCA Print Studio. And the best person to tell you all about it is the head of the Print Studio and that's Anis Fitzhugh. The Print Studio is open to absolutely everybody. You don't have to have been to art school. You don't have to have done any art before. The whole point is that we can teach you how to use the uh, various equipment from screen printing to laser cutting to 3D printing. And we have a whole range of classes in our Get Creative programme which, again, are as low cost as we can possibly make them, so that uh, you can come and learn in three evening classes, for example, how to do screen printing. But we're also obviously here for artists who've graduated and need somewhere to work. So it's, it's a whole range of people. So actually, when we were talking about um, sponsorship, I went for a bit of a tour of the print studio. Um, to be honest, I'd only sort of poked my head in before and didn't really realise that the amount of kit that they've got in there from risograph printer to screen printing, lithograph, um, CNC mills, laser cutters, 3D printers, I mean, pretty much any printing technique you could think of, it, it's it's in there. Um, and it, it's an amazing facility. And also, I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to get more people through that door. I mean, if you've not been there before, you go into DCA, down the stairs, or through the cafe, and it's on the right-hand side. Um, but these big intimidating doors and they the guys at DCA really just want to open that up to as many people as possible and encourage people to, to come through the door and to ask questions and to get tours and to just get involved um, whether that's through some of their courses or whether that's doing your own sort of practice your own work and um, just go in and have a conversation I think that's that's what they're trying to do because they know that that it's an underused resource and that they want more people to come through the door and that's it's not a money driven thing it's I mean all the the services that they offer are all subsidised by um, Dundee City Council and Creative Scotland in order to make it as cheap as possible. So they really just want great creatives to take advantage of the facility that they've got there. Um, so if you do want to find out a bit more about the DCA Print Studio, um, you can go to cccdundee.com forward slash DCA. So let's move on to talk about this week's guest. Um, his name's Russell Pepper. He, I mean, I suppose he probably wouldn't call himself a creative. Um, he is a PhD researcher and in the area of renewable energy, especially uh, sort of in regard to communities and how they create their own energy. Um, we sort of dip into that a little bit in the, in the chat. And, I mean, Russell became a member of Fleet Collective, um, which is also where I'm based, and you sort of come in and, and rent a desk. Um, he did that and he sort of got inspired by the projects that are, that are going on and happening around him and he sort of wanted to get in on a creative project himself and start something up, um, which I think is a real testament to the environment that's in Fleet Collective um, and the people there and just people in Dundee in general just being up for having a go and just trying things out. Um, and Russell, pretty much off his own back, created um, Dundee's first sort of street art trail, um, which is a series of, of painted doors down um, alleyways and closes um, that you generally wouldn't go down um, on a trip around the city centre. So he's sort of opened up these areas of, of interest and commissioned a whole load of different local artists to paint doors. And he's created this fantastic trail which takes about an hour to go round. 
Um, and you can go to the website and see where all the doors are. So that's open, close, or open, close. And that's open, close, dundee.co.uk. And there's also a whole range of shops around the city centre that are stocking the maps. So you can go and buy one for a pound and take yourself around. And all the the sales go back into commissioning more doors and more artwork being done. So it's a fantastic project. Um, Russell sort of jumped into it wholeheartedly. Um, I ended up helping him out with a few things, including the digital um, sort of implementation of it and working a few things through. But I mean, he did remarkably well, and he has this sort of having not really experienced a creative project before. I think he had this beautiful naivety about it, and he was like, "Yeah, we can do this in such a short space of time." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, let's just get it done." And everyone at Fleet was kind of like, whoa, steady on. But th- to be honest, he absolutely fired through and he achieved so much in short, short, such a short space of time. Um, so it's super impressive. And yeah, I mean, we talk about it in the podcast, obviously, but um, yeah, he's come a long way in this sort of short few months where he's been running this. Um, he's now obviously doing tours as well, um, which if you head to the Facebook page, if you just search Open Closed Dundee on Facebook, you'll find it. Um, also, link will be in the show notes. So next one's 3rd of December um, at 10 a.m. And it's sort of on a pay-what-you-think-it's-worth basis. Yeah, I mean, you can get an amazing uh, morning of entertainment, sort of an hour and a half tour from Russell telling you about history and all about the doors. I'm starting to cover stuff I've already talked about on the podcast, so I'm going to shut up. Um, Yeah, let's just dive in. So this is episode number 45, and this is Russell Pepper. I ended up in Dundee because um, my girlfriend got a PhD here and we moved here for her PhD. She's got one at uh, Nine Wells. So we moved here physically to be doing her PhD. From Uh, where? From where we moved from Glasgow, where I just finished doing a renewable energy master's at Strathclyde. And before that, we lived in Munich. And before that, we lived in Barcelona. So we met in Barcelona. And we've travelled around a bit. Munich was for her PhD as well. And came back to Glasgow for me to do the Masters and then carried on. It's all like, your movements have all been... There's all been a reason. Education driven. Not Barcelona. Barcelona was fun driven. Okay. Basically. Because I did a bachelor's at Harriet Watt University in structural engineering. Ended in 2007. Ten years ago. Okay. Um, And I worked as a structural engineer for two years, three years, and then I got laid off, as a load of other folk did at the time, and I had some money saved, I was going to go travelling anyway, so um, went to Costa Rica for six months and worked for an NGO doing environmental stuff, which was really cool, and then that changed my perspective on the way I want my career to go in the future. I didn't want to make homes for rich people. Something to do with the environment, using my engineering background. Uh, Maybe if I went back to the very, very start, I would have done zoology or something, I don't know. But I couldn't really do that. Or I could have. I'd have to go back and do biology, do a higher in that, and then do like five years at university again. So I wasn't going to do that. So one year, master's was good enough. Um, But before that, I just moved to Barcelona with my friends for two and a half years just to have fun because we'd been there before. We'd been to Primavera Sound, the festival there. And we loved the city. It was awesome. So So, let's talk a little bit about, I suppose, city living. What is it that you look for in a city if you're going to like set up camp there then? Life everywhere, in the streets, people uh, talking, chatting, cafes with uh, 
their seats out on spilling onto the streets and that kind of thing. That's why Barcelona was so good. It's got a really good kind of cafe culture. People are out really late into the night and it's warm enough that you can just go out into a square, buy a beer from a shop. It's not illegal to drink in the streets there either. But they don't take it to excess, like we might do here. Uh, they can easily be allowed to drink in the streets and not have much problem with it. It's fine. There's these beer cellar guys that are illegal, but the police don't even care about those guys. They actually take their beer from the sewers, so don't buy it off those guys. <laughs> I'd, well, I've, they I've hide actually, them in the sewers. Yeah, um, yeah I've, 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 the, I've genuinely bought. No, oh, I've bought them as well. Walk, yeah, walking home. But if you watch the guy, they call them sexy beers. Because you walk up a sexy beer, sexy beer. Yeah, I'll have a sexy beer, and you got to whittle them down because. Uh, where Estrella should be about a euro, but sometimes they try and sell the really cheap supermarket stuff for even two euros when you're drunk. But if you know what you're, you can whittle them down. But don't buy it in the first place, really. <laughs> probably not. Yeah. The best idea. No. So favourite, out with the places you've, you've lived, mm-hmm. favourite city you've ever visited? Maybe Bristol, actually. Um, let me think about other ones. Bristol, Berlin, New York, Rio de Janeiro, actually. Stop it. Yeah, Rio de Janeiro was the best one. That was awesome. That was incredible. You can just spend days walking around there because that's what I said, like life on the streets. It's just everywhere there, everywhere. People cooking. People in the night, they bring, I don't know, little cart things out of their houses just onto the street and then they just start cooking burgers and whatever else, plates of meat and rice and beans and always meat and rice and beans, basically. But they're so cheap. It's like three quid or something for a huge meal. You just sit on a little plastic stool on the street and everyone's out with their friends and they bring guitars out onto the street. I bet it's awesome. And all the food's Oh, nice. all the food's amazing. And just the amount of life there is crazy, really. It's, that's, what's really that's what's really good in the city when there's just life like that on the streets. Yeah. Something which I think we could do in Scotland. But obviously our weather's cack. But there's a ways around it. Well, I think the only place I've really experienced um, sort of street food like that Mm. Um, is in Vietnam. Yeah, Asia's got a lot of... Um, and it's something to do with the the taxes. Um, if they just like wheel out their mm-hmm. their little um, mini restaurant, I don't know what Basically, you want to call yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. A, and it's, yeah, it's literally um, plastic kids' chairs and everyone just sits out and it's an amazing stools. little atmosphere, but they, they don't have to pay tax on anything, but everyone can run their businesses. So mm. it means that um, they can sort of sustain that and you can have 20, 30 people out there just running a little... They don't pay any tax. So I'm not really sure, but they said the reason that they do it is because they, they pay less tax or whatever. I think mm. it's just sort of one of those okay. like. Um, well, they've got no building or anything, so. No, and it's it's completely temporary, so it only they only comes out at night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a way of the locals sustaining a, a business quite yeah, yeah. cheaply and easily. Um, that's great for the for the other locals who can go there and eat, and also the like the, the tourists as well. It's sort of a it's a great spectacle. It's a great experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Apparently, pretty much hardly any people in Vietnam or, or um, Thailand and other places like that, they don't really cook at home. They just go out and buy their food and bring it home because it's so cheap and easy and quick and it's all there and probably better than they could do at home. I don't know, maybe. Uh, but that kind of thing would be awesome if we could have more street food here, places like that, with, like you say, some kind of tax breaks or whatever. I'm not in the government, but I'm sure they could do something where it makes life a bit easier for this kind of thing to happen, you know facilitate it a bit better so let's uh let's go back to dundee uh-huh yeah mm-hmm. and so you said you you came here for your girlfriend's phd, PhD. yeah 
Um, and so what were you doing at that point? Then? I'd also just got a PhD at Strathclyde, uh, which was fine. My supervisor was cool with me doing it in Dundee because I could do it on a computer. I didn't really need to be physically in an office like, uh, well, my girlfriend, she's, she's in a lab, so she's doing experiments and stuff like that. So she has to be here. So what's your PhD on? Renewable energy. Community renewable energy systems is what I'm currently working on. So... What does that mean? Um, I'm looking at a methodology for appraising the technologies that a community renewable energy system would use. So if you're, for instance, the one I'm looking at right now is on the Isle of Egg. Uh, there's about 80, well, there was 80, there's 100 now, people living there. And they bought the land, managed to get it from the landlord. He was one of those traditional lairds who doesn't even live there, but imposes a lot of rules on them. And so they were living under his thumb for a long time. And they managed to eventually get the land off him. The community has complete control of it. If you live there at least six months of the year, then you have a say in everything that happens on the island. And they raise money to build a renewable energy system because they did have just diesel generators. Every house had a diesel generator. It was very noisy, very expensive. People didn't even have fridges because they were too expensive to run. And they would have to run them during the day as well. So most folk only run their generators at night. Um, And there was a, yeah, they had a feasibility study done for a whole lot of different technologies. And they've got hydro system with wind turbines and solar PV as well with backup diesel generators and they get something like 95% of their electricity is renewable and the other 5% is the diesel generation so they get everything from their system so it's about how my so my PhD is about how you would look at all the different technologies and decide whether or not they would be good for such a system so you said that your so your girlfriend works in a lab um, Mm -hmm. and you're allowed to do this completely remotely yep um but you're now you're currently part of Fleet Collective Mm -hmm. uh, which is a co-working space yep so what made you choose Fleet or even think about working? I was working, trying to work at home, which is impossible because I just end up baking bread or something <laughs> similar to that. <laughs> um, certainly not working anyway. And then I was working in Dundee Uni Library because if you're a student, you're allowed to go into any other library in the UK anyway. Uh, you get a reciprocal agreement. So um, no. And that was pretty rubbish as well because I've just sat by myself on my laptop in a computer lab in the library which is close to my house but still it uh, wasn't very social or fun and also just working off the laptop with one screen I really don't like it I like having more than one screen um, and I looked for actually an office space in Dundee and I found something somewhere near the so how long ago was that Tea bridge office that was um just before the last design festival. No, no, not the last one. The 2016 one. design festival. So two years. Yeah. Two years ago. Yeah. And then I saw the flyer that said, get out of the fucking house, if I can swear on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't actually say that. It's got it scored out. It actually says, get out of the blank. You don't know it's a word, but somehow your mind constructs a word thing. Yeah, um, well, I mean, it does. It does say get yeah, out yeah. of the fucking house. Yeah, no, it does, and, and it, I did. So I saw that, and I liked the idea, and it sounded cool, so I checked it out. I, I didn't find it before in my search, though. I found... I didn't. I don't think I looked... Because probably it's billed as a creative co-working space on yeah. the website or something like that. I was just looking for a desk space, something like that. I don't know if it comes up on those searches. Maybe. Um, so, yeah, I came and looked good. Everything looked nice. Everyone seemed nice. The space is amazing. Uh, so, yeah, I came here. And it was very nice. 
<laughs> I was glad I did it. But I suppose yeah. you're not a, a sort of standard... You wouldn't probably consider yourself to be in a creative industry. Not at all. And I suppose, as you said, like Fleet is billed as a, a co-working space for creatives. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I think there's there's always internal debate over what that actually means. I guess, yeah, because obviously a lot of guys here are doing design type of stuff. Um, but I suppose I'm doing design, but it's design of a renewable energy system. I don't know how much creativity is involved there, but there is some. Uh, so is that what you mean? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's not really hard and fast, as in, no. like, you're not creative enough to get in here. Mm. Um, it's kind of like it's always up for a, a debate and a discussion. If someone applies to come in, yeah. it's a, it always comes down to a vote that every member of Fleet gets that, that say, whether it's yes or no, whether they feel yeah. it's right, or whether they feel that that person would fit with their outlook or their approach or the work that they do. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's very much vote. like a, it's very much a democracy yeah. Um, in that respect and I think that's why the collective works um, that's good and yeah. to be honest I mean there's there's very few occasions when we say we don't think you're quite right for this space um, no and generally we're quite welcome and open and for, for people to come in and, yeah and, I didn't think like, I was kind of I didn't think I would get in actually because I wrote like a you know application type thing I'll do this and that and I you, know, I you know you have to do that when you if you want a space uh, and I obviously didn't think I was anything to do with anything what anyone here was doing but Everyone, yeah, obviously said I could come. Yeah, and so when you first moved in, what was like the first impressions or thoughts, or when I mean, you maybe like I don't know a month in the line or something like that? What was your just a uh, bunch of cool people working in a nice place? Um, but you, so place to work, it, yeah. The definite benefits from that, and there wasn't any sort of strains on the remote aspect of it. That was all fine. Oh no, no, it was better than working in a library because I had more. I had an actual desk, and I could keep my stuff there, and I had more than one screen and. Um, I've got a keyboard, uh, you, you know, a proper keyboard that's separate from the computer. I don't like using a laptop keyboard. Um, and a real mouse too. So everything was, you know, no, it's, it's a far better setup for work, and I think. And you've got a really nice lunch space. Everyone's very sociable at lunchtime. Go and have a chat. You know, in the library by myself, not chatting to anybody. It's a bit depressing, really, when you're by yourself. So, yeah, it's a lot more conducive to working if you can have some free time and just chat to folk. Just float around and chat. And so I want to move on to talk about the Open Close mm-hmm. project. Yeah. Um, do you remember how that that first came about? Yeah, it was, I don't know exactly when it was. It might have been even a year ago. Um, we were having a fleet meeting and we were just wondering what, I think everyone was at the meeting and we were just kind of wondering what our skills are good for and what they could be used um, to kind of promote fleet or what fleet could do in the wider community in Dundee. And one of them was something like a fleet urban action group where fleet could help make uh, the urban fabric of Dundee better in some sort of a way. And then I remember Titus, who used to work here, was very interested in that. He's very interested in the cycling infrastructure and that kind of stuff. Um, and Donna was interested. So we had a small meeting about what could happen and we were kind of discussing ways in which you could go into a community that might obviously be a bit deprived, but work with them and get design people to work with them in a way that they would benefit the community and both involve them and benefit them in some sort of a way through community engagement. And so one of the ideas was that you could look at the spaces that are the most neglected in their area and help them design a better space 
that was one of the ideas we had and one of the cheapest ways would be to put a mural up that they could help design or something like that so that was the initial idea and it died for a, a while and then I remembered about it <laughs> and brought it back up and then got in touch well just asked just asked everybody here I think I think I sent an email to everybody asking if they were interested or what they could do a help with it if it were to get started again and you got me in touch or you said that I should talk to Annie Mars at Place Partnership because she'd be keen for the project and she might have funding yeah and also I think Katie was Katie, and Katie was maybe at that meeting and she'd done the ah exactly uh, she'd done the, Painted Doors painted, Aberdeen yeah yeah, yeah. just sort of was that a year before that um, she did it 2016 she did a door and she's actually just changed her door she did a similar character but she's changed it um because they just had their latest installment or they're currently doing their latest installment of their doors because i think um from talking to to katie and her sort of background and mm. doing a bit of street art and mural work and, and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that um she was saying that trying to change people's perceptions of what graffiti is and what street mm-hmm. art is and what's acceptable and what you can actually yeah, yeah. get away with especially um, in a city where you don't really see much of it you've got the dpm <coughs> and you've got some other walls but there's nothing really in the city centre or anything like that. The, yeah. the council just paint right over it straight away. And to, to say, right, okay, we're going to take this 40-foot wall and put a mural across it. Yeah, quite It's probably quite radical. a hard sell. Yeah, pretty radical, and a lot of folk wouldn't like it. So then Katie suggested doing the doors. She had experience with that, and she knew it would be quite easy to budget because Aberdeen, I think they gave between three and 500 a door. No, between five and 800. So we thought with the budget Annie gave us, we could give them 300 a door and get a small trail of six doors. So this was the concept, of essentially replicating that, um, the idea, but doing mm-hmm. it here. So it's looking at um, taking areas that people don't necessarily go down. I think there's, mm-hmm. there's lots of great little back alleys and corners and hidden bits and pieces, even right in the, the city centre that people just never... Nope, they don't. Potentially never like yeah. venture down. Um, and it's sort of the idea of bringing a bit of life to mm-hmm. them and a bit of... That's yeah. exactly the idea, yeah. They're spaces that are actually pretty cool. They've got some interesting architectural stuff. They're actually, you know, they're cute little old alleyways. A lot of Dundee was destroyed, uh, well, intentionally, <laughs> to make way for stuff. So a lot of these places have been lost, but there are still uh, plenty of wee closes and alleyways you can go down and explore. And I don't know about you, but when I go to a new city, I explore every wee alleyway and everything I possibly can if I'm, if I'm new to the area. So maybe it was good that I came to Dundee kind of fresh, just because I was obviously exploring it and seeing that these places are pretty cool, but, you know, they're overgrown with weeds and people use them as toilets and that kind of thing. It's not the most appealing places in the world. Unlike, for instance, I don't know, the High Street in Edinburgh, all the clothes off there. They're obviously very pristine, like a museum, kind of. Some but, of them. Hmm? Some of them. Most, oh, well, yeah, yeah. Which ones aren't? There are some really <laughs> dodgy ones, are there? I, 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 I thought they were depends. mostly all right. Um... Uh, yeah so, the, yeah, so the idea was to make people explore and make them go down these places and hopefully make them more pleasant places to be. Mm-hmm. That's the whole ethos behind it, yeah. Because the name Open Close... Which uh, Katie thought of in a second. Yeah, so it way. seemed to randomly come out of that meeting. <laughs> she just... Open Close, obviously. Doors open and close and it's down a close, so... Yeah, just then that was it. Right, that Katie, was the, the cool. name for the, for the project. What was I... I don't know if I'd even thought of anything for it before that. Yeah. No, um, it's perfect. So, 
you went to uh, Annie Eight Place Place mm-hmm. Partnership. Yep. And secured some funding mm-hmm. to sort of make this happen. Yep. Um So then, what was what was next? How did you go about sort of sourcing the doors and sourcing artists? Next, sourcing the doors. I had walked all around the city centre looking for good doors and had about, I don't know, 200, no, maybe not 200, but over about 100 maybe doors that were possibly good suspects, no, prospects rather, um, to be painted on and then had to whittle that down to six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so just went for the best ones, just the ones were my favourite ones, um, which wasn't too hard, just did kind of down the nicest of the closes um, and then just tried to figure out whose door was whose uh wasn't easy on cooties wind i just knocked on some random door and it happened to be uh, a pretty good door so <laughs> that was quirky coup um but they were instantly everyone was it was very easy securing permission everyone said yes straight away it's pretty amazing for oh, yeah. like for a new concept and something that's never really been yeah. done before and people were really willing just to give their permission yeah the quirky coup guy was just like oh i love it straight away yeah um come and see the door he hadn't even shown me his door yet so I was a little bit wary. I didn't know if his door was good or not, but yeah, it was. So, so it, it was fine. Just to clarify that then, you say good. What's What makes a good door? Nice location. Um, what a good size surface. If it's corrugated, it's going to be a bit of a bit of a task to paint it with anything interesting apart from, well, I don't really know. I'm not an artist, but I think anyone that worked with Poscas and that kind of thing would have trouble. Um, it had to be a spray, I guess. Um, yeah, just locate. Yeah, I suppose location and surface would be the main things, and preferably already heavily tagged, just so you can have a really good before and after picture. <laughs> uh, but it's funny listening to you here speak, hear you speak about this now, as opposed to how you spoke about it at the start of the project. Like to talk about, about like Poscas and corrugated and like surfaces and cleaning it. Like it's just all things that you've no, obviously of, learned. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, have known yeah. about just throwing in Posca there. You said it to be six months ago. Like, what the hell's a Posca? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, and it's all that By the stuff. way, Posca is an acrylic marker for anyone who doesn't know. Um, but then it's also like the, you're saying like the, this whole sort of social media and making it mm-hmm. um, interesting and exciting for people to, to follow the story online. Oh, yeah. That was one thing. Because I had a Facebook. I made a Facebook for it. Um, and then somebody told me, maybe Lyle says, oh, you should get an Instagram for that. And I was really, I didn't want to maybe get Instagram. I was totally like, oh, really Instagram? Do I have to? Like, oh God, that's like, you know, 14 year old girls use that, don't they? Um, but now it's really good. I actually prefer it than Facebook. Um, you get a lot more, uh, well, likes anyway. I don't know if that's real interaction or not. It seems more, folk tend to converse more on the, the Facebook pictures and stuff like that. So maybe there's better interaction on Facebook. Seems a bit. There's obviously interlap. Interlap is that a word? Yeah, I think it is. Interlap between uh, Facebook and Instagram users, but it seems to be different in the way that they interact with us through it. I guess. But I like Instagram a lot now. It's very good for. Obviously, the project's very visual, so it works well. Twitter, I will. I have, but I do not use. I ref, kind of. I don't refuse, but. I think yeah, it's, it's one of the it's trickier platforms much. to yeah to get going unless you're doing it regularly and you have things to share like all the time yeah say, I think it is kind of stopped at that really yeah we got a website as well which we'll you to, made yeah, yeah oh no we'll, sorry we'll, we'll get to we'll that, get that, right right that yeah, so. so yeah you've spoken to a whole of the businesses you've identified your first oh, yeah. six doors mm-hmm. um, so how do you how did you go about getting artists for those doors basically Katie found them. 
because <laughs> um, she had some contacts. So she got in touch with some artists that she knew locally. Um, and also, I don't know, yeah, the first guy that did the, the guy that did the first door, the Quirky Coup door, actually, he um, responded to an advert I put in the DJ CAD newsletter. So uh, I think that was another thing that was important about the project was to commission local artists. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. That was the main thing. Um, get one sort of local and un, I guess unknown, really, because, well, this guy was from DJ CAD in his third year. So, you know, not famous or that well known or anything on the street at all. Um, another artist was from DJ CAD as well. I think only two or maybe three were from there. So, yeah, that was yeah, that was really the main thing as well, was to use local talent and support it. And how how do you curate those artists? Like, how do you decide who who makes a cut and who doesn't, and who does the door? And wasn't too hard, really. Um, just look at their work on Instagram. Um, so it's just a case of you doing a bit of research. It was, yeah, really. Them. If they had a, if they asked to do a door, this was the initial project. It's changed now, but if they'd asked to do a door, I'd look at their stuff and just go, "All right, if I liked it and." Uh, I don't think I said no to anyone actually. Um, no, the, yeah, no, there were there were two or three actually, uh, but that was kind of it. It wasn't much of a selection process, uh, judging artists against artists or anything. You know, it wasn't that well known yet. It was just if someone got in touch and I liked their stuff, I went, okay, yeah, I'll find you a space. Um, so you, you got to the point where we had sort of six doors up, mm-hmm. um, painted and sort of ready to go. Yeah. Um, but then it took a little while until we got to the point where we had a, a trail to go round, like a, a sort of a guided trail, yeah. if you like. Because mm-hmm. um, it took there was a bit of extra funding that came in from the uh, cultural tourism fund. Yeah. Um, and sort of sponsorship by other businesses paying for their own doors to be done as well. Yeah, there was that. And then that sort of, so that, that grew your trail out to, that what kept, is it now, 17? 18. 18 doors. That kept growing, yeah. PDQ, we told them we would like to do their back door. Um, and they said, why don't you just do the windows as well? Cover them up with boards and do those. And they're massive. They're three and a half metres high, one and a half metres wide. Um, and a local timber company I got in touch with, Direct Line Timber, and they gave us the wood for free. Um, and I had to get it in a van and deliver it to the artists so they could do it at their homes because those pieces were way too big and high. They would have they would have had serious trouble doing anything decent at that height. I get I think uh, one of the artists has a small baby, so couldn't really be leaving the house every day to come and do her piece, which would have taken about I don't know how long it took her, but I guess a week anyway, mm. probably something like that. Yeah, and it kept growing like that. More artists getting in touch, wanting to do a piece. Um, me being unable to say no, finding <laughs> finding more space for them. Um, and then eventually we had 18, yeah, at which point we kind of just said, okay, that's enough. That's really enough for now. Because um, you're, I mean, you're doing this all on the side alongside the PhD, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So how did you find that sort of balance of, of trying to balance the two? I found it impossible. Um, my time was completely swallowed up by this project and I hope my supervisor isn't listening and I don't think he will be. <laughs> so sorry, Paul. But yeah, I spent uh, a lot of time on this. Probably I didn't do much work on my PhD for three months, four months. But is that because probably. it was a... 
it was like a, a passion project. It was like a yeah. release for you. It was something new. It was something different. Probably. And it was very enjoyable. And there was things I could be doing. The kid just popped into my head and I'd write them down. And they'd be like, well, I can just go walk down to that shop and do it. It's just there. Because Dundee's really compact and we work in a city centre. So I could easily, oh, I could just, oh, I need to do that. So I can just go to that shop and buy that tin and that chain and go to the tourist information office and put it there because they wanted it to put, for people to put money in to buy the maps, for instance. Um, so I do things on my lunch break, which it would extend. Um, so the balance is very hard for me to achieve. Uh, I don't know. If anyone's got any tips on that, that'd be great. But <laughs> I would say I, I, I find it difficult as well when you've got side projects running um, at the same time as your, your sort of day-to-day work. You're always enticed by them or excited mm. by them. You're like, yeah. oh, I can do that. And then... Yeah, yeah you get distracted and you yeah you you're not putting your all into the the day-to-day stuff yeah. um, so i think often if something comes to mind i then put it on a to-do list and then that list is then dealt with when the time is right i have that at the side so if i have a thought that's not phd related i can write it down so i won't forget it but still it's hard to ignore it if it's kind of more interesting than reading what i'm reading at the time or whatever i'm getting better at it 2 years in finally but it's still hard so have you taken any sort of have you paid yourself for any of this no why haven't you paid yourself i kind of feel like i'd be stealing from the project in a way um because the idea is to the idea for the project wasn't for me to get paid. It was to get art on the streets of Dundee and to support local artists. So if I take money, which I suppose I am due, I will be just taking money away from that and have to get more funding. So I'd have to put even more effort in to find more funding or sell more maps and do more tours to cover what I've already done. So I've got to do more work to cover my own takings anyway. So uh, what's the point? Also, I'm not a freelancer or anything. I get a regular wage or a stipend from from my work so um financially it's all right it's fine you know if i was freelancing and i was spending a lot of my time on this then i i think i would have to pay myself otherwise i wouldn't be eaten or you know yeah i'd be skint so yeah that's why i think and it's nothing i that's something it's nothing i feel i need paid for because i enjoy it so much you know i don't think I'd, I'd, i'd like doing it why do i get paid to do it that's also a bad attitude, isn't it? Um, well, I mean, potentially. I in yeah. my head, that's what I feel like, yeah. If so. you're putting so much time and effort in and you're um, facilitating this, like, it's a brilliant project that, as you say, it met all the things you tried to do. It put brilliant art on the streets. It got people out exploring. Mm-hmm. Um, it really raised awareness of it. And, yeah, why shouldn't you be financially rewarded for it? Even if it's just like... But the reward st- is so, so cheesy. <laughs> the reward <laughs> is, the, is the project itself. Just seeing it out there and having being doing it right now that that's that's fun enough um i'm doing tours every month um and just doing the tour for a couple of hours is really good fun so mm. i'm not going to take any tip off the tour i'll just take the you know if folk give me a tip then I'll, that just goes back into the project mm. it was good fun meeting everyone and walking around the city for a couple of hours you know <laughs> better than doing what else i would be doing whatever that would be i don't know <laughs> you sort of you touched on the point that we got to sort of 18 doors up and it was 18 yeah yeah it was sort of time to to formalize the doors Mm -hmm. this is where i sort of came into the project a bit more yeah and to sort of help facilitate that and sort of promote it and and create the materials Mm -hmm. that we needed um and also adam the um, intern that we had at fleet collective um, who came in and designed the logo uh, which is great 
which was excellent. Very yeah. pleased with this logo. Yeah, yeah. it's great, and it, it's it just cool. yeah, I think it it captures the the project really nicely, mm-hmm. really simply. Yeah. Um. So then, off the back of that, we created so there's a map, there's a printed map. Yep. Um, and the website where you can go on and exactly. Um, look at the tour and that also works obviously on your mobile so that people can do the tour either way and then the maps have gone out and they've gone into what, 10 places quite a lot of different places um there's the dca there's visit scotland there's quirky coo there's the batch cafe there's madigan's is it tea emporium or food emporium they were gonna tea emporium tea emporium um Specs Pistols, Lorraine Law, Lorraine Law, uh, Aussie Skate Shop. Did I say Brewdog? No, Brewdog. They're selling bags as well, actually. Um, uh, uh, I think that's everything. But yeah, quite a lot of local shops, and none of them are taking commission for selling them. They're just. I asked if they would do it, and they did. Obviously, a couple of those have pieces as well, so they were keen on the project. But the other ones I asked were very cool with just taking the money for us and sticking it in a bag and giving it to us when they run out and we'll go and top them up with more maps. So, very and good. So yeah, it's a pound a map and mm-hmm. yeah, you can get them at all those places. I'll put a list in the show notes of everywhere you can get them. Yeah, um, a full list. I probably forgot somewhere. Yeah, And yeah, you can also chap on the door of Fleet Collective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got uh, bags up here. Yeah, we've got bags and maps. We can make so. badges too. <laughs> there was a if anyone saw the badge machine at the oh yeah that's another thing we were at the market yeah so how the did, farmers market so you how did that how did the farmers market come about then um we just wanted to do a thing to celebrate the end of the tour once they were all finished all 18 doors and we were launching the maps um a good way to announce that was to have a market where we could have the artists selling their pieces and I'd been in touch with, I think, Sarah Craig, city manager, and she said we could have, oh, and Lynn Short as well. She said we could have, or they both said we could have a space at the farmer's market. And they gave us a prime spot. They gave us four tables in a sort of wee circle in the centre of the horseshoe that is the market on the city square. So we had the best spot in the whole market. And we had 10 artists there uh, all selling our stuff. It was a really good day. We had a door that kids could come in, or adults, um, could come and write, write on with Posca markers. Uh, don't know what to do with it. If anyone's got any ideas, uh, really, what should we do with that? <laughs> no it's in the store downstairs. I don't know. Um, so I just uh, it was a really good day, and again, very nice of the council to let us have a space for free. It's normally seventy five pound a table. So I mean, it feels like everyone has been really up for this project and exactly. really helped have been, help push it forward. Everyone's been supportive every step of the way. Um, there was the one I don't know, probably. A project where I was very surprised where funding was incredibly easy to get because <laughs> we just uh, we got it straight away off Annie um well place partnership and I think that's everyone sort else of was so supportive um indicative of uh Dundee as a whole at the mm-hmm. moment yeah um people are really up for things and trying things yeah. and doing things and making things happen supporting projects yeah it's yeah. great really um, really it was that, that was one of the best things actually was going around and talking to everyone when I was initially getting the doors um permission for the doors because everyone was so keen on the project it was great really very pleased i also remember when you first were talking about it and you were saying oh yeah we're gonna get it done in like a a month or six weeks or something and we were all like shut up there's no way you can do that that's unrealistic you should maybe have a think about like three months or whatever but you had this like beautiful naivety (laughs) that you were just like well why can we not just make it happen let's just go and do it and you you actually went and did it in the time scale that you you said 
pretty much. Yeah, which I was, had the six done within that amount of time anyway. Yeah, I don't know about the eighteen. But, yeah, uh, but it was quite remarkable. See, I wasn't surprised. I just thought it was fine. But actually, if you think about it, it is surprising that we got the fun in that easy, and everyone was so supportive and gave us doors straight away, and we got all the help we did. Uh, so that just shows that Dundee wants this kind of project. Yeah. Certainly, I have only received positive feedback from all the social media and everywhere. All oh, the courier, local media has been great as well. STV even had us on. The couriers had us in twice, maybe even three times. Um, yeah, and they were yeah. The courier had a special piece to announce the start of the of the tours of the doors, the guided tours. So, um, do you want to explain a little bit about that and the concept of that? Hmm, guided tours is if you know you can obviously self guide yourself with the map, uh, have a look around, there's information on the artists and that kind of stuff. But if you would like a guided tour by me, um, who will take you around the doors in around about an hour and a half. Uh, I'll give you a lot more background to the project um, and other things about the city that I like and pointing out history of alleyways and stuff like that. Just because that's the idea, you know, with the, with the trail you're meant to see places you wouldn't normally go, but also learn a bit more about the city. And not that I know everything about it at all, um, just things that I've learned myself, basically. But just to see a different side of the tour, um, come along, it's free, pay what you want at the end of it if you want to so it's not free it's well pay what okay you want. yeah no it's pay what you want you can pay nothing if you want to but it's you, sort of it's that it's model of, of walking yeah. tours that sprung up quite yeah yeah um, they're, they're pretty recently. common um the yeah. last the first tour we did was free and i said it was free because it was a, just a test and then that went we had uh, i think nine people on that one and then the second tour i said it was pay what you want and on average everyone gave a fiver so that was great. yeah i mean it, it, there's absolutely a fiver's worth of entertainment in that tour yeah, um, I think, yeah, probably. So yeah, don't sell yourself short. Yes, it was definitely, <laughs> even more than a fiver. I don't know. Um, it's, yeah, but it's whatever people think it's worth. I think that's a good exactly. it's a good way of doing it. If you're making enough money to sustain that, then that's great. Yeah, it's an hour and a half, uh, generally. So could be longer, could be and shorter. And is that... Because you walk slower, faster. So you're scheduling them once a month? Once a month, first Saturday of every month. 10 yeah. o'clock is the meeting time. The Penguin Parade, which is the little bronze statues outside, uh, what's it, St. Mary's Church opposite the trades bar yep. is where it's we meet at. Cool. Um, and then people need to book or can they just turn up? They don't have up? to. They can turn up. I'm not expecting like 50 folk turning up. So uh, I don't know what the limit would be. Yeah. But until 20, then, just Until up. then, yeah. I think, you know, we were having eight or nine both times. So that's fine. Better, I mean, you know, I would prefer it, I suppose, if you got in touch somehow and let me know you're coming just so I can get an idea. But... Uh, you can you free to just turn up, yeah. Cool. Um, so what's next? Like, where do you you've set up and are running a successful tour, and you've got the maps out there which are selling great, mm-hmm. and you've got plenty of people going round. Where do you go from here? Stobswell is where we go from here. Um, recently, been having some meetings with the Stobswell Forum. Um, a guy there called Colin, Colin Clement got in touch with me and he was very keen to get something similar started up there. So they are applying, or they have a, they have now applied for funding f- to get a similar sized trail up in Stubbswell done. And the idea with that one is there's a lot less closes and alleyways and things like that up there. So it's more to highlight things that are in Stubbswell that people might not be aware of that they could go and visit. So for instance, there's, I don't know, there's a boomerang centre, which is a really great community centre. There's a lot of great work up there. Um, 
There's a hundred, more than a hundred year old chippy there. There's a really good bike shop, Nicholson's Bike Shop, uh, which is, there's been three generations of the family running it. I got my first proper bike there when I was about nine or ten, I think. Um, There's quite a lot of cool, oh, there's a Cafe Fortes, which is some time warp cafe. You go back to the 1940s or is it about that? You ever been in? I as the living stops so, yeah, but I've never. There. No, go on it. I've really. never been in. It's like really, it's a total time warp if you go in there. Um, I really don't think it's changed much apart from maybe they've got a drinks machine in there now or a fridge, you know, one of those Coke fridges. Uh, it's got like four, you know, the four mica top tables that are stuck mm. to the ground that don't move and those little booths and that kind of thing. Um, so there's lots of cool places, and there's a community garden as well, which is great. Um, so there's lots of nice places to go. So we're going to create a trail that goes around Stob as well, highlighting all of these places, um, as well as a small linking trail going from the pieces at Sugar House Wind that we've got underneath the tunnel and then up towards Stubbs well that way. So, so it means theoretically people can do both tours and link so them So theoretically together. you can do both tours as, as, as one, yeah. So it's, with, the, with the linking part, it's just to encourage folk to make that step because they might not want to go up to Stubbs well if there was nothing in between, but if there are a few places they can go in between that are, they've got some nice pieces and just a little push. So that'll be ready in like six weeks, right? That'll be ready in six weeks from now. <laughs> that will be ready, hopefully, if we get funding uh, in time for Stobbs Fest. Which is? Which is, I think it's March 2018. Okay. I believe it's March 2018. Um, so? No, no, May. It's May. It's May. May. Okay. So that's a bit more time. Because um, we want to we do the pieces. Uh, we have to spend the money if we get it by the end of March. So the idea would be to get all the pieces, well, at least ready for for that time because we can obviously pay the artists in advance and stuff like that um cool so what learnings do you think you're going to take from this first iteration into the second hmm hmm a better way of doing curation i think because you're going to it's going to be a much more formal process it's going to be a more formal process it's not going to be just like uh we find an artist oh, their stuff looks okay, let's get them to do a piece. It's not like that, no. We're going to announce the spaces. We're going to sort out and get permission for all of the spaces, first of all, take photos of them all, and then announce them on social media and other places. Um, And then artists can apply to do a piece. And then we'll have a a small judging panel who will look at all the submissions and choose their top uh, maybe three for each space. This hasn't been quite decided yet. We might then hand it over to the business, um, to make a final say, because that might that might give some businesses um, that might mm, sway more businesses in, into giving their permission if they can have a final say on this piece, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Although everyone here was very cool with just saying, "Not just do what, just do whatever." I'm sure. Yeah, because they didn't necessarily have foresight of, of what that piece. No, was I would just be tell or... them. I actually was telling them, "Yeah, the artist is going to do what they want. That is what's happening." <laughs> if you which makes it even more amazing you, that everyone give, was if you on give, board yeah, yeah I know yeah. Like, if you want to give permission for that that's great if you don't then that's not well, and that's, I, that's I also think with, with doors as well I mean if, yeah, if it is offensive it. or yeah you're like okay I, I, I don't particularly want that anymore yeah it will take you we did have that stipulation there was meant to be nothing offensive yeah was, yeah we, we said that to mm-hmm. the artists um, just don't do anything like that and mm-hmm. no one did well there was one yeah slightly ambiguous one but um yeah, you know the one, eh? But yeah, you'll have to go on the trail and you have find to go out. There's a slightly yeah. ambiguous one. 
<laughs> or go on the tour and you can tell them all about it. I can, yeah, actually. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, it's gonna um, be a more for- well, yeah, a more formal process for for selecting the art, and that'll just keep the quality high. And it's probably a lot fairer rather than me just going, "Oh, I like that." Yes, I like don't like that. No, you know, it's more it's more democratic and. Mm. Uh, and so if if it. anyone considering the audience that, have, that listen to the podcast there mm-hmm. might well be people out there thinking that sounds quite interesting mm-hmm. i'm up for doing a door or at least applying to do a door yep um so what what would you be looking for for a submission is it a fully formed like render of it is it a sketch? no it's nothing it... like that um just it could just be just a, a, an idea of what you would do. You could just send us a piece that you've done in the past that says, just says like, here's a piece I've done. I would do something very similar to this. Um, and if it's great, then, you know, great. So you're you looking could, for a, a sort of a concept. A concept some with, sort of visual sort of, cue. with some sort of just show us what you would do, basically. If you don't have the idea down at all, then you'd have to draw something to show us what it would be and yeah. give us some, you know, some pictures of past work that might be similar or representative of that kind of style mm-hmm. kind of thing but don't go full out with getting the photo and photoshopping it and turning it into like you know picture of what you think would actually be there unless you really want to but don't bother putting that much work in no so it's it's quite a casual submission process i guess so is there anything in else that, that you've sort of learned from this process that you're taking forward i would say I've more no no I didn't have less belief in people but I've definitely we've learned that people here were very very receptive to everything it was just great I uh, really made me feel more positive about life <laughs> cheesily I don't know um, I don't know if that's a learning or not but it certainly made me feel more positive about people in general to show you know it seems that they're very keen to help with projects is that a learning <laughs> yeah sure. I don't know um, what else I can... No, not really. <laughs> so do you... Do you consider yourself creative? My mum says I am. <laughs> <laughs> she really does. Um, but <laughs> That's not the question that I asked, was it? Do you consider yourself... Oh, do you consider... You... No, you didn't ask that. Do I consider myself creative? Um, a little bit, yeah. Not that much. But before this I am. before this project came about, what would your answer have been? There may have been a little bit as well, I guess, okay. if I was to really push it. But I wouldn't say with this project I've been particularly creative. I've been facilitative, um, mainly. I haven't really been creative in that sense. I suppose it has the trail has been created, but that's not really a creative thing to do. So I've got a bit of creativity in me i can make something so if you're if you're released from this isn't creativity what is it about the the project that brings you the enjoyment and that gives you that release i really like seeing an end product of something and then yeah an end product basically which is why i like making bread because <laughs> you can see it's made it's done there's a bit of bread there um but the project being made and you can see it and there's a trail and there's maps it's just very very satisfying to go through the process of creating something and seeing a final thing there in front of your eyes so i guess it's that and also the process was great and one of the main things was talking to different people and in getting their getting engaged with them about making the project happen was very very yeah very good fun part of the project so what advice would you give to someone who is thinking of starting up a project, just 
any sort of project that that might not necessarily be in the creative industries or consider themselves particularly creative, but they want to to create a project that might well involve that. Um, what advice in would you give? If they want to create a project that was creative, yeah, like to, to get themselves into something mm-hmm. more creative, then definitely just do a search on creative community around you and get in touch with people there because they're probably going to be a lot more supportive and um, willing to talk to you and share ideas than you would expect. It might be an intimidating world to initially think about because you might think they're intimidatingly cool or something ridiculous like that, but actually they're not. They're normal. Uh, <laughs> it's also, I think everyone's there's, normal. There's, there's you know? maybe a stigma of thinking, oh, if I get other people or talk to other people about it, they might steal my idea. Well, oh, well, there's that, I guess. But then I don't, I don't think that's I, a real fear, though. I think, especially here, I think if you were to go and have a chat with someone, they'd mm-hmm. be more likely to facilitate your... Want to help you. Help you yeah. make it happen than to go, oh, that's a great idea, I'm going to go and do that. Yeah. Um, I, don't, you, I haven't really seen any instances of that since I've been here. Um, and I don't. I think because it's such a small sort of environment here mm-hmm. with the, the amount of people and creatives that are here that yeah i mean as as much as it's easy to, to sort of get to know people here mm-hmm. it's easy to piss off quite a lot of people if you did yeah. something like if you that. did that then you just piss off all their mates which would be like half of the people in dundee so <laughs> then you'd be you know, you'd be screwed wouldn't you <laughs> so just yeah just go and talk to them and uh they will open a lot of doors that you didn't know were there basically if i tried to start the project by myself and who would I have looked for for funding? To for funding, I don't know where I've gone. Would have gone for funding. Um, where would I have gone to find artists? I don't know. What do I do? Google Dundee artist, street artist, or something. Um, you know, it'd be pretty hard to find all these connections without getting involved in the community. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's of. all that knowledge exists. It's just knowing where to go to unlock it. Yeah, and more often than not, that the best way to do that's through people. Just ask. People are always really strange about asking about things. I saw on Reddit the, the other day, some, it was on Glasgow Reddit, and some guy was like, does anybody know what's going on with those word works on Cathedral Street? It's right next to Strathclyde. It's a district heating system they're putting in. Um, and, you know, the whole lot of replies about that kind of thing. And then one guy's like, oh, you know, the, the guy replied, oh, thank God. It was, it was going on for like months. I had no idea what it was. And I was just thinking, why didn't you just ask the road worker? <laughs> just walk past one day, curious, and go, oh, mate, what's that? Like, people are so like scared to even make that kind of interaction or if a shop's being done up and you want to know what it is how many folk would actually go in and just ask the plasterer hey mate what's what's going to be here they would just wonder for months and then eventually oh right it's a probably a hairdresser but uh as a nice takeaway though we should just talk to people more just talk more instead yeah. of posting on reddit and like trying to get the internet <laughs> to answer it just actually go and speak actually to people. ask folk it's not that hard and it's way more interesting and rewarding than posting on reddit <laughs> so just to finish up um i'm not going to ask you if you've got a favorite piece because i think that's unfair okay um but what i will ask you is having done all this sort of wandering about the city and mm-hmm. exploring mm-hmm. do you have a favorite place or a little part of the city that you love my favorite little part of the city in the city center Wherever. Now that the waterfront's opened up, actually, I really like those little parks. 
Um, and also, not far away from there, I really like a dodgy alleyway called St... Uh, no, it's called Marianne Lane. Um, and it's got tons of graffiti and tagging and stuff up on it. And it's just this strange alleyway with just walls that have got warehouses backing onto them. And I think it's really cool. How do you... If, so if, if anyone wants to go there and check it out, how do you get to Oh, it runs beside the bus station. Okay. Um, so sort of between the rental car place... Between and the rental car place and the bus, bus station, station, exactly, is where it is. It's just down there. Um, it'd be cool to do a lot of stuff down there. Oh, and also everyone's got this... But it's really cheesy, but Strawberry Bank Lane... I walked down the other day and actually it was gorgeous. There was just so much bird song there. It was really like a little part of the countryside. It's yeah, and just even just the, the actual like the gradient of that hill and this mm-hmm. the way it just like sort of swoops really nice. away from you and it's cobbled and it's got uh, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. And the house. You went one place, didn't you? Yeah. The house is a very, very interesting place as well. There's graves I seen a grave there from sixteen fifty something. Uh it's got some awesome stuff in there. Really Did you think you take much more notice of the city? now that you've done this project or has you just always been that way um nah I've always been like that yeah. to be honest yeah I don't think any more notice one word of advice for anybody in a city is just look up ignore the shop fronts and the signs and that and just look up and see the architecture that's up there because it's everywhere people might think Dundee oh, it's not got any but no look up really it's got some gorgeous stuff because you sent me a, a couple of things on a, a project I'll oh yeah I'll release later so we won't really talk about the project but mm. Um, yeah, you, you sent me some bizarre things that you'd noticed. There's some strange things. There's a building on Perth Road, which has got a jeweler's, Gary Grubb the jeweler, as within it. And if you look on the roof, there's some otters that are standing on top next to the chimney pots. And the gable end has a little uh, recess in it that's quite high up with what looks like a cat's head with a little grill in front of it. Yeah, it looks like a leopard or What's something. What's that about? Yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's more like a big cat. Yeah, yeah, it's not quite a kitty cat. It's, yeah, leopardy head. It's like made out of stone. So what that's about, who's got a clue? Um, what else did I send you? There was something interesting. I remember. Those are the two that I, I remember. Distinctly. Oh, that was the same building, though. Yeah. I thought there was something else as well. There, there, you did, but I can't. But yeah, you'd only get that by looking up, obviously, because it's on the chimney pots. Yeah, and the, like, the, the gargoyles and the... Oh yeah, that was the one. There was one behind behind the flats at Lower or Upper Dens Works. I've forgotten which it is. But there's a big block of Hillcrest flats that won some award. Around the back of there, there's a really weird gargoyle stuck on the wall. There's a really beautiful garden there. And there's two, actually two strange gargoyles. Yeah, and there's another, so there's a sort of hidden uh, garden that you... That's what I mean, yeah. No, it's in yeah. there. Oh, okay. it's, it's on the wall. It's like a hidden garden behind this block of flats. There was a mill, surprisingly. Um... And there's a really, really beautiful garden there. We want to have some of our linking pieces there, actually. There's archways at the right at the back of that garden that are below Victoria Road. Yeah. Three archways which already have public art. The bricks have been sculpted, so they've looked like they have faces and stuff in them. And there's three doors, one in each archway, which would be really cool to get those doors. You also get an amazing perspective because if you're coming up uh, Victoria Road and you get to the, the sort of mm-hmm. the, the traffic lights and you take a right, um, before the kitchen showroom, um, I can't remember what that road's called. It's the Eagle Mill. Which is where the Eagle Mill is. Yeah, and yeah. then you sort of you, if you walk along that road on your right hand side, there's a what used to be a doorway, but it's now got bars across it. But it then just opens yeah, exactly. up and it just drops right down into that garden, and it's just an amazing like vista to yeah, yeah, yeah. look out across that. And it's a really so cool garden, and if you're standing there, you're pretty much on top of those arches, mm. which you'd never really know that Victoria Road was a bridge. No, yeah, because the, the yeah there was the river used to run. There was a river, the Den Burn, a 
burn anyway yeah used yeah. to run down there that was all part of the the works there which has now sort of been forced further under and that's why mm. we get a whole lot of problems with the uh, there's a, subsidence there's a drain nearby that you can hear and it's you can hear the burn under there it's very yeah it's just a burn underneath the road and what they get subsidence there um, well, I mean, I think there's been a, uh, some of the buildings further into the city centre that have had problems because of the because the water table's quite high. Oh yeah, um, they, the basements are always flooded in there, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whoops. So. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we sort of rambled on about random places rambled in Dundee, about, which is yeah. nice. Um, so yeah, loads of places to go and explore. Look up. Yeah, yeah. look up. Nice. Um, so the last thing to do before I let you go um, is to tell people where they can find out about open clothes. You can go on Facebook, facebook.com slash openclosedundee, instagram.com slash openclosedundee, and also openclosedundee.co.uk. Three places where you can go and find out more information. You can come into Fleet Collective, which is in the Chamber Building, Panmure Street. Uh, and obviously the, the tours every... And the tours, first Saturday of every month. Um, information on them is on the Facebook page. There's a link or a post that I've stickied to the top so if you want to go on the tour or yeah just just yeah people put your name down there or message me directly through the facebook, facebook or instagram yep that's where it's all at awesome um yeah and i'll put the list up of the the places that you can buy, buy the maps, maps. Um, cool other than that thank you very much thank you so yeah that was russell um phenomenal chat and such an interesting guy and yeah I'm so impressed how he's managed to pull this off in such a short space of time um, if you haven't done it already get yourself around the, the open close tour uh, it's, it doesn't take long and there's some real beautiful artwork kicking about the city centre so yeah get involved and yeah I'm looking forward to, to seeing the Stobswell version um, yeah I think it'd be great to sort of pull people out of the city centre and get them seeing more of, of Dundee and, and sort of expanding um sort of tourist reach and, and sort of showing them there's more to, to Dundee than just that, that city centre area. If you don't already, follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. It's at CCC Dundee. Um, and another way to keep up to date is on Facebook so you can join the group. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash CCC Dundee. And yeah, I mean, that's it. All that's left to say is thank you to the sponsor. Um, so it is the DCA Print Studio. If you want to find out anything else and anything more on that, um, you can head over to cccdundee.com forward slash DCA. And all the details of the courses, um, of the pricing, of everything else, um, it's all on the website there. So you can go and check that out. But that's it. Um, until next week, goodbye.